The message that I have for you all here today is on loneliness or dealing with loneliness. How many of you up here ever get lonely? You ever get discouraged? I get lonely and I'm always surrounded by people. But I was just thinking and I'm encouraged to see how well, at least when I'm around, many of you get along and visit and it's, a, it's an encouragement to me. But at the same time, there is a real issue of when it comes to us feeling, even in a crowd of people, you can feel like you're alone, like you don't fit in or like you don't get along with other people. A conversation, even in a place like this, I can just imagine a couple of folks over in a corner talking and one person sitting there feeling left out. The silly, petty things of life that often turn into bitterness and frustration. And I want to consider this concept of loneliness with you. The first thing I would ask is, what do you think the cause of loneliness is? Why do people feel lonely? The simple answer would be, loneliness is caused whenever people, whenever a person isn't getting interaction with other people. They're alone. They don't have their loved ones with them, visiting with them, or spending time with them. But there is a, a very natural and essential reason why we feel lonely. I want to read something from you, or from the scriptures to you, from Genesis chapter 2. Genesis 2, and starting in verse 18, if you'll listen along, we read in God, in the creation account, it says, Then the Lord God said, It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. Now, you know what's going on here? God, in the six days he took to create the world and the universe and everything, and then the seventh day he rested, do you remember what the Scripture says every time God finished creating something? That God looked at what He made and said, it is good. It is good. It is very good even. And here's the first time recorded in all of Scripture that we see God saying something's not good. It's not good for the man to be alone. I will make for him a helper fit for him. And out of the ground the Lord God had formed every beast of the field and every bird of the heavens and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called every living creature, that was its name. The man gave names to all livestock and to the birds of the heavens and to every beast of the field. But for Adam there was not found a helper fit for him. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man, and while he slept took one of his ribs and closed up its place with flesh." And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. Now, did that seem interesting to you? God says it's not good for man to be alone. Here, Adam, I'm going to have you name all these animals. And you can imagine all the animals coming through the line waiting for Adam to name them. Here we go, boy, dog, girl, dog. Boy, cow, girl, cow. I don't know what all he named them. All I know is this, Adam must have been a pretty sharp fellow to be able to name all the animals. But think of this. Every time Adam sees two, two creatures come to him, the boy and the girl, and he's sitting here thinking, where's mine? You see how God let Adam see his need. He showed Adam that he had a need. He allowed Adam to feel alone for a time in order to show him the blessing and benefit of that companionship. And you see this response in Adam that follows after that. After he's made the woman, it says, Then the man said, This at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. 
Therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. Here is this sweet relationship that Adam gets to have that he didn't have before. And so as it's demonstrated here, even in the first marriage, loneliness is not only caused by not having a spouse, though maybe some of you here, um, your spouse has passed on before you have, and you've been left without them. And that certainly, certainly is, I'm sure, a, a lonely position to be in. I can remember my own grandmother. She passed almost to the day two years after her husband did. And just the change that happened to her She was still a lovely, sweet, kind woman, but just the change was so evident in her without her spouse. And yet, I'm not just talking about a marriage relationship, but this illustrates for us that God created us to be with other people, to not be alone. But then you continue on and you look forward into Genesis chapter 3, verses 8 through 10, we read this. After this serpent, the deceiver, comes into the garden and gets Adam and Eve to take the fruit that God said don't take, to rebel against God, they've fallen in their sin. And now we read this in Genesis, 8, Genesis 3, 8-10. through 10. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. So not only are we supposed to have relationships with other people, and loneliness comes when we don't have that kind of a relationship, someone else we can be close to and relate with. More importantly, we were meant to have relationship with God. And there is no substitute for a relationship with God. No close connection with any person or anything in your life that can replace this. As soon as Adam and Eve have sinned, there's been a spiritual separation that's demonstrated in the fact that when God Himself comes, they hide. They don't want to be near God because they know that they've sinned and they're afraid. Sin separates us from God. And there is no greater loneliness, no greater despair than being separated from God's love. And really, I believe every person in the world that ever feels lonely or outcast or separated from society or from other people, that all of those things, if you were to take the loneliest person in the world and give them friendship and family and relationship and all of these things, and yet they didn't know God, they'd still feel lonely. They'd still have this hole in them. There's this incompleteness. And that's really what loneliness is. Loneliness is the fact that we feel sad because we know something's missing. We know in a relationship my spouse is missing or my children, I haven't seen them in a while. This loneliness ultimately has to do with a separation from God. And it is sin that separates us from God. The second question I would ask is, how can we be cured of our separation from God? How can you be cured from loneliness? What I'm driving at here today, if you understand what I'm telling you here today, you can face any circumstance. You could be alone in a box on the side of a freeway and not ever talk to anybody and still have joy and feeling a feeling of belonging and having relationship and unity with someone. This is something that surpasses 
temporal loneliness, what I'm calling for. How are we to be cured from a separation from God? You know, there are people all over the world that try to soothe their loneliness. They try to get rid of this feeling of separation from God and sadness in a variety of different ways. Some people, I've heard a testimony from actually a, a pastor that I know. He grew up in Healy, Kansas. And he played football in Oklahoma, ended up finding a wife there and staying there. He's really a godly man. And he was an alcoholic before he was saved. And he would talk about, he didn't drink when he was drinking. He didn't drink so much because he enjoyed the drink. He drank in order to be numb and to be able to forget the night before his drinking. You see, this cycle that we get into, it's not actually about the sin, it's a symptom of something more to mask the sadness and the sorrow that he had. The same thing's true of drugs, of sex, and you can even idolize family and try to so enjoy family time and spending time with your family that you think that's going to fix this hole, this emptiness within you. You know how many people there are that try to solve the problem they feel of loneliness and separation from God through religion? Through religion, people think if they go... There are a lot of people, I'm convinced, they don't see a church any different than they do a country club. It's somewhere you go where you can be around other people and you can kind of feel like you belong, and yet you don't know God and you're not there for God. And you know that's true because people will leave a church and they'll say... The people here, I just, I just think they're hypocrites. And the answer to that is, well, God, are you here for God or are you here for them? Are you here to know and worship God or for those, those relationships with those people? Which are not unimportant, but they're not the primary thing. How many people do you suppose try to fill this void, this feeling of loneliness with entertainment? Entertainment. This is a fast-growing problem. And maybe not so much with you all, but you might be surprised how many people don't do things. I heard, a, I heard a story a little while back of a man who used to love to fish. And then he found some videos online of other guys fishing. And he got to the point where he didn't go out and fish anymore himself. He just sat around watching somebody else do it. That entertainment. We see relationships. Women will watch dating shows on television and they, they kind of live vicariously through the show they're watching. And they try to replace and cover up their feeling of sad or loneliness through watching other people or entertainment. And maybe perhaps the, the worst thing that people do to try to cover up this loneliness is by trying to be moral and righteous themselves. Why do you suppose people do that? Why would me feeling lonely cause me to try to do good things? Well, if you've ever had a child, ever had children... When a child's done something bad, they've done something sinful, disobedient, how much of the time will you look up and see them cleaning something up or doing something? There's something in them telling them they're the relationship between them and me. They feel like it's been broken, and so they're going to try to do some stuff to fix it. They feel like there's a separation. They feel lonely in that relationship with me, and they're trying to do something to make up for it. Well, the truth is we all have the sense that our sin has separated us from God. I can remember even as a very young adult, very young Christian, I can remember sinning, doing something, any number of things, and then I'd look up and my phone would be ringing and it would be my dad. And I would think, ah, I'm not taking this call right now. Why? He hadn't done anything wrong. Just like Adam hiding himself in the garden, God hadn't done anything wrong. 
but a knowledge of sin and a knowledge of failure, you feel ashamed of it and you want to hide yourself. And the only way you feel like you can get right in that relationship and soothe that feeling of loneliness is by going out and doing good. Now, how many of us, whenever we feel separated from God, feel like I can't just go to Him and pray. I've got to do some stuff first. I've got to get in gear and got to go make up for my failures. These things are not, they're not the cure for the separation that we feel from God. Philippians chapter 2, this tells us something of what God has done to deal with our separation from Him. Philippians 2, I want to read for you verses 1 through 11. And listen to the language in these words having to do with relationships with other people, but more importantly with God. He says, So if there's any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. But he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant. Being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. You say, what does that have to do with loneliness? This is a picture of Jesus Christ going to the cross. Now, what was actually going on there? Jesus, when He went to the cross, all of His closest friends turned away from Him. His disciples, those who, who loved Him, they abandoned Him. Peter denies Him. And here He is, alone on this cross. Outcast, despised by people. We're going to look at that in just a moment, and here's the picture. All of us, the separation that we feel from God is what we have bought and purchased for ourselves. The wages of sin is death, and the foreshadowing of that death is a separation and sense of the absence of God in your life now. You feel sad and you feel discouraged because you don't have this living re relationship with God. You feel separated from Him. And even to the Christian who sinned, we feel as though God's not with me any longer. Where did He go? And yet the Scripture tells us, draw near to God and He'll draw near to you. When Jesus humbled Himself and went to the cross in this way, He became a curse for us. He became one with whom God poured wrath and justice out upon. And there was this cry that went up from Him, My God, my God, why have You forsaken me? Loneliness is a feeling of being forsaken, being put out, being put away. The one, the only one who never deserved to feel that way, felt that way in order to reconcile us to God. The clearest picture of this is found in Isaiah chapter 53. Listen to these words of what Jesus was going to do 
and how it is that God has restored us to a right relationship with Him. Isaiah 53, Who has believed what He has heard from us? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For He grew up before Him like a young plant and like a root out of dry ground. He had no form or majesty that we should look at Him and no beauty that we should desire Him. Now listen, He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief and as one from whom men hide their faces. He was despised and we esteemed Him not. Surely He has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed Him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon Him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with His wounds we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray and have turned everyone to His own way. And the Lord has laid on Him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and He was afflicted, yet He opened not His mouth. Like a lamb that is led to the slaughter, and like a sheep that before its shears is silent, so He opened not His mouth. By oppression and judgment He was taken away. And as for His generation, who considered that He was cut off out of the land of the living, stricken for the transgression of My people, and they made His grave with the wicked, and with the rich man in His death, although He had done no violence." And there was no deceit in his mouth. Yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. He, was, he has put him to grief when his soul makes an offering for guilt. He shall see his offspring. He shall prolong his days. The will of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Out of the anguish of his soul, he shall see and be satisfied. By his knowledge shall the righteous one, my servant, Make many to be accounted righteous, and he shall bear their iniquities. So why did Jesus, this is all what Jesus was going to do on the cross, why? We who are separated from God by our sin and our neglect and our our love for what we want and not what God wants, we're separated from God. We've rebelled against God. We deserve to have this done to us. And did you read that language? It pleased, it was the will of the Lord to crush him. I might have shared this with you before, but I'll share it again. I had a young couple sit down with me on the airplane in a trip I was taking recently. And I asked them both, I said, why did Jesus come into the world? What what was the purpose of His coming? And they both said that they would have called themselves Christians. And they said, well, uh, to go die? And I said, yeah, that's right. Jesus came in order to die. And then I asked them this. I said, why did Jesus die? Now, a lot of people could tell you for our sins. And I told them, I said, oftentimes when I'm asking, talking to people, I'll say, why did Jesus have to die for our sins? What sense does it make that Roman soldiers nailing a Jewish carpenter to a cross helps you at all? How does that affect you? And they said, well, I don't know. I never thought about it. And here's the answer. It was the will of the Lord to crush him. That's the answer. Not only did Jesus die an agonizing death, rejected and despised by every other person at the height of loneliness in His cross, at the same time, His Father, who loved Him, poured out His own wrath and crushed Him and put Him to grief. By His knowledge shall the righteous one, 
my servant make many to be accounted righteous. How? How are you righteous? How is it God forgives you and restores you to a right relationship with Himself? He shall bear their iniquities. Your sin. Not just sin in general in the world. Your sin. Jesus said, I've never sinned, yet treat me as though I had. Do to me what needs to and should be done to them. And if you're not in Christ, it will be done to you. The answer is, Jesus is the cure for all loneliness and separation from God. You see, people talk about this. They think religion is primarily, how do I not go to hell when I die? How do I go to heaven when I die? And you can have country songs that are probably true that say everybody wants to go to heaven, but nobody wants to go now. Well, there's probably a lot of truth to that. Here's the point, though. People think religion is about heaven and hell, and it is. But that's not all that it is. Hell is what happens to people who have sinned against a holy and just God, and they're separated from relationship to Him. What Jesus came to do is not just to give you a mansion in the sky someday. He's come to restore you to a right relationship so that you're not like Adam hiding in the garden or hoping your leaves are going to cover your sin but that God Himself has made a way to bring you back into right relationship. And I can tell you this, if you know the love of God in Christ, if you know the God of the universe has restored you to Himself, He loves you, there's nothing that's separating you from Him anymore because Jesus dealt with it on His cross, you have no cause to ever feel lonely again. Even if Temporal relationships have you feeling like you are alone. What's the charge to you today? How do you come to know this? What what is it that's necessary for you to know in your soul that all I'm telling you about what Jesus endured and accomplished applies to you? The answer is to repent. To realize, yeah, I do deserve, I deserve to have been on that cross suffering under the wrath of God and being afflicted by God and bruised and crushed by God. I deserve that because of my guilt. And when you hear this word that says, all we like sheep have gone astray, it's not a laughing matter. I had gone astray from the living God in my sin. And God so loved the world that He sent His Son, His Son to die as a lamb for sheep that had strayed. To repent. To realize that's true of me. And God would be right and just in condemning me. And believe that Jesus Christ endured all of that for me. So that I could be saved. And no relationship with God. And you'll find that if you know that, other people in your life who love and know the same truth, there's going to be this sweet fellowship, sweet union. And you're not going to be dependent on liking the same sports team or being the same age or having common interests. If you have this in common, you will be as close as you possibly can be to that person. And so if you don't know this, if you have loneliness in your soul, come to God and realize the source of all sadness is ultimately our sin. And Jesus is able to deal with it. He has. Let me correct that statement. Not only is He able to deal with it, He has dealt with it in the cross. It is finished. That's right. 
So with that, I'll ask you now again to bow with me and we'll close in prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank You for this time again. Oh God, I thank You that we can have relationship to You and know that Your face is shining upon us because of Your Son. God, I pray that You would bless Your Word as it's gone forth and cause it to take root in the hearts of those who have heard it. In Jesus' name, Amen.